0: Put that on the gag board. To use that.
1: <laughs> I'll put it in my big notebook. Of That's jokes. what I want. I want a
0: whiteboard with gags that we've not used yet. <laughs> Welcome to episode 221 of 20 Minute Tims and I am of course joined by Stephen Yes and Melly Oh he's
1: bumped it, yes yeah. <laughs> don't know <laughs> what you're talking I, th- I think I say that every week pretty sure <laughs> I say that every week when I'm introduced just... don't know what you're well, talking this, about I
0: said this a couple of weeks ago that Melly was trying to make that a catchphrase <laughs> and Stephen you have just stolen it right off him <laughs>
2: It was nice of you to give us our proper names Jamie and Agenda I am Blair and you are Blast Stephen. Yeah so when we write yeah, the yeah. Agenda
0: I just Put blah 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 on it. Um, we've got a couple of good games where well, we've got at least one good game to talk hmm. about, and another. I don't think I've ever used this word on the podcast before, but it's a very cliched term. But I'm going to just throw it right in here: a nail biter, because that's exactly right. what that yeah. was against Dundee United, wasn't it?
1: That was something of a nail biter. I suppose you could say that it was a it was a long old slog. I think we we'll, we'll get into the details of it, but Dundee United. Weren't a pushover, by any means. Uh, they'd no. certainly made it difficult for Celtic for the most part of the game. And what transpired was a, a massive three points, in my opinion. Um, it was, But I, I suppose you could definitely refer to it as something of a nail-biter. Don't know what you're worried about, boys. Don't know what you're worried about. <laughs> it was you're, always coming.
0: You master Mr. Positivity all through the game on yes. the Discord. And do you know what? It was one of those games where... Even though we needed a bit of positivity, I was sick of the sight of it. I was just getting so nervous and so angry as the game went on. Stop it, being but...
1: positive. Shut up and let me moan about <laughs> this game. <laughs> exactly.
0: Let me have a moan about this. Um, but before we get to all the moaning and all the positivity, we've got a bit of housekeeping. This episode is brought to you thanks to our Patreon subscription service. Our Patreon supporters on there and in return, they get rewarded with fantastic content. Over on our Patreon, we've got full coverage of every Celtic game. Um, and here's an example of what we're doing for Virus. We have a tactics podcast where we've scouted Fed and before the tie, so you know how they play, how they're going to set up, their danger men, what Celtic can do to exploit these weaknesses. We have a focus on opposition blog written by Ryan Brown, which is basically an overview of what to expect from Celtic's opponents. Then we have the live preview show. This is like, this is kind of a guys,
1: isn't it? Like, like what they do on like Sky Sports or BT Sports, yeah. but it's better because it's us. It's infinitely better because there's no Chris Boyd in sight it is us no. it is doing effectively what Chris Boyd should be doing except for a fraction of the pay that's what we're yes, that's what that's doing that's basically Ben Boyd a, get with the boys 100 times, times the insight for 0.1% of the pay that's, yeah. that's what we're doing <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah that's it and that's a live video show that we make available to the all-in patrons 45 minutes before kick-off and then of course we have immediately after the game we return to the mics for the reaction podcast so that's just an example of what we'll be doing this season ...for Celtic's Games... ...our Patreon is full Celtic coverage... ...with great Celtic features... ...and if you've ever thought about subscribing... If ...you've ever thought about signing up... ...now's the time because we're offering discounted subs... Uh, ...and that's available if you are an existing subscriber... ...so check all that out at... ...patreon.com... ...slash 20-minute Tims... Um, ...we're also running a competition for the best review... ...we've asked you guys to leave us a lovely glowing review... ...on iTunes or Podcast Addict... ...we'll pick our favourite and send you a prize... ...and the prize winner will be revealed at the end of the show... Now, before we get to the nail-biting match against the Terrors, let's talk about the the absolute pumping, Stephen, frankly, that we (laughs) handed out to K.R. Reykjavik. They were about about as bad a team as I have seen at this level. Um, I was... (laughs) Sort of trying to think back when we've played as a, a worse team at that. Either they were really, really terrible or they just couldn't be asked, or maybe it was a combination of both. No Celtic, you were absolutely. quite poor last year. You think they were as bad as No Michael? I think they might have be been worse. Oh, worse.
1: The thing is, right, yes, they they weren't good, right? They weren't a good team, but only when compared to the much better Celtic. I, I know they, they weren't. Like, say, for example, there was a, a Bayern Munich Monday night podcast out there and they were on there referring. They were on just going, do you know what? Celtic are crap. We'd be like, Hey, well, that's that's unfair. At least start I, but there's on no Recky
0: Vic fans on this. There is no Recky no. fans on this podcast. So behind, effectively behind their back, we can sit here and go Recky Vic are pish.
1: <laughs> but yeah, they're just they're pish when compared to the well-oiled European juggernaut that is Celtic. And I think that was that was born out in the result. Uh, it Was fairly straightforward, has to be said. Um, could have been a couple of goals up in the first couple of minutes. Turned out it was five before they finally broke the deadlock. So. It was a th- thoroughly enjoyable game. Yeah, Reykjavik, they're certainly not a good team, That as much as I joke about that. They're certainly not really up to much and Celtic will face sterner tests in that, hopefully, as Europe progresses um, this season. But really, Reykjavik was all about... We spoke last week, we spoke at length about the enforced layoff that, that Celtic mm. had in the last couple of weeks. So really, it was about getting back to business and laying down a bit of a marker. Not in terms of European ambitions, but getting back on the pitch and scoring a lot of goals, and that's exactly what they did. We could talk about Bowling goalie causing the the lay the, the lay-off. I could talk about that again if you want, but for for the listeners' sake, let's not bother. We'll, we'll gloss over that. But I was I was thoroughly pleased and satisfied with the with the performance Celtic put in on the night. I think you couldn't really ask for much more than an absolutely you know, f- fairly handy 6-0 shellacking on the night.
2: Yeah, I'm in the same boat as Stephen. It was just one of those games where you thought, just, just win it comfortably, and we did. Got the early goal... Game over by half time or free up before half time. Get the early goal straight after half time as well. So four 0 going into it. You can make the changes. You can rest players. We got through the game. Got a few players to get the first goal and a clean sheet. No injuries. No arguments with that. It's become a bit of
0: a catchphrase, isn't it, on this podcast that it would not be a Champions League qualifier without near on <laughs> at the centre of defence. This this is what he's here for. This is what this new contract's for. It's becoming a bit of a Celtic trope. He played in the place of Christopher Ayer who also didn't play against Dundee United amid rumours that he is is looking for a move, he might mm. be off. Um, Neil Lennon said midweek that we are in the market for another centre half but look, see, see if we're getting rid of, of, of Christopher Ayer. Not only do I want one centre half in, I, I want two, I, yeah. I want another one in because, you know, Christopher Ayer is a, is a quality player, we've had him for a long time, in many ways he's effectively a homegrown player for Celtic given how yeah, young he was yeah. when we when we signed him and the position he played, we've moulded him into a really good centre half. Doesn't strike me as a player that's got much of an allegiance to Celtic given the comments of his agent or the fact that he changed his agent before. How big a loss would Christopher Eyer be? How difficult would he be to replace Melly if we sold him?
2: I think we spoke about it last week. We said maybe him and Julian are a bit too similar. They both like to play out. We need that sort of centre-half who's going to do the dirty work, a big, a, somebody a bit stronger who can deal with the physicality. But again, the same as we've said previously when we're going to sell players, that if we were looking up, what would we want? An, an internationalist player. Uh, don't, we're not going to get somebody at the same age as Christopher Ayer, who's played so many games as him, so many European games, international games. We don't want to be selling players like that, but at the same time, you get got two years on his deal and out the sort of four sellable assets in Edward and Cham, Christie and Ayer. Ayer's the one I think we could let go, get good money and bring in a decent replacement. But I'm on board with you as well. If Ayer goes, we need two centre-halves.
0: Where do you rate Ayer, Stephen? Because I... You know, Christopher Eyre's had a bit of a checkered past as far as my opinion of is concerned. Yeah. You know, he, he, he sort of burst on at the scene at the certain defense. In my personal opinion at that time, which is well documented in the podcast, was I thought people thought he was the finished article before he was the finished article. I still don't think Christopher Iyer is the finished article, if I'm perfectly honest with you. I think perhaps even his form took a bit of a dip last season. Yeah. Um, a season which I tipped him to be Young Player of the Year because his progress under Brendan was was really, really strong. Either stagnated or might have even taken a dip last season. Where do you you rate Ayer?
1: I I totally agree with you that he's not the finished article as as far as we understand that. I don't know if we get many players through the the doors of Celtic who are the finished article these days. There, There tends to be We've spoken about it in the past, players with you know, that one fatal flaw that stops them from getting to the next level, or mm-hmm. the guys who don't have that flaw and who just skyrocket, such as Moussa Dembele, Virgil van Dijk, Kieran Tierney, etc. Christopher Eiger is somewhere in between, I think. I think he's he is a very good player and the potential to get better. He seems to have all the attributes going to be... A, a pretty. T- I don't want to use the, the Van Dijk comparison, right? Because I think mm. that's ludicrous. I think Van Dijk is completely on his own level in in world football terms at this stage. Probably, I, I don't really want to go down that route. But I think he has all the all the tools to become a very good defender. Certainly above the the level of just playing in Scotland all these days. However, he has taken a couple of backward steps, I would say. I don't think he's developed at quite the same rate as he did under Brendan Rodgers. could be any number of reasons for that. You no, know, We're very keen on, if a player is developing at a pretty fast rate, we're very keen on pointing to the management team and saying, well, he's obviously making a difference, whether it's John Kennedy or Duff at the time, whoever, whoever the case may be, Neil Lennon when he came in. So is there a is there a call to maybe have a look at that? Is he is he going backwards because of the coaching he's getting? I couldn't say for sure, but is it? Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. I'd,
0: be, I'd, I'd be I'd be reluctant to say it's probably due to the coaching I, he was getting. insofar so far as I, you know, I'm, I'm quite sensitive to these rumours that it's a free for all under Neil Lennon and John Kennedy, but it was the strictest, most professional environment under Brendan Rodgers. I, I just don't personally really buy into that. I'm not saying that's what you're saying. I'm just no, saying no. No, that that's that's that, that 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 is a rumour that's out there could it be that Christopher Iyer is responding less well to the, the current management team
1: probably that's more what I, I'm getting at yeah, yeah.
0: If, 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 if. I, but I think he wants I think what we've got in Christopher Iyer here is what you've said Stephen as a player who sees his next move already mm, who, who yeah. might see his next move already and I, I think Neil Lennon works a lot in loyalty and he might be looking at Christopher Iyer going and much like the conversations we've had about in Cham he might be looking at Chris Iyer going see if I can't rely on you see if you really want to go then I can't stick you to the centre of my defensive route because, let's be honest, you're not a world beater in there. He had He's mm. had a shaky game already this season.
2: I agree with that. I think it's probably about that time. As much as we love Celtic and we think we should push on and be able to keep these players for as long as possible, this guy's come over from Norway. He's, he's not affiliated with Celtic in any way. He's looking to step on in his career, and the way to do that isn't to be playing in Scotland for four, five years. You have to test yourself at a higher level and that's probably what he wants to do. I think Ayer as well, he's played on the left-hand side of a back two usually, or a back three. That's not fair when we know he's completely right-footed, yeah. and we've spoken about him, um, maybe he may he might not be responding to the coaches or that, but he's been here a long time, and he's not improving himself on his left foot, and that's what's going to hold him back if he goes somewhere else. I think that and the other flaws in Ayer's game are... Just concentration ones Where maybe he thinks I'm better than the striker I'm up against I'm going to take the ball off him And he just gets a wee bit complacent He does those slight tackles Whereas if he was in a a better league Where he has to concentrate all the time He has to be sharp as anything He can't let himself go down Apart from 100% He might not make those mistakes Because he's got
1: all the physical attributes To be a good player It's just maybe the the mental things he has to tweak Just on a point you made there about how you know, to, to tidy up my point about how it might be that he's responding less well to the current coaching staff than, than the previous one. I think that's a key distinction to make because you're right, there is a train of thought out there that, I don't know how prevalent it is now, but there's a train of thought that went along the lines of, you know, now that Brendan Rodgers has gone, everything's going to fall off a cliff under Neil Lennon, that's not patently untrue. When I say that it could be a coaching issue... The responding well to the current coaches is exactly what I meant, um, right? Mm. Because if it was just a, a simple case of standards dropping, then the stagnation would be across the board, which is you know, yeah. complete nonsense. If if I was to imply that, so I'm glad you tidied that up for me.
0: <laughs> He's been linked with everyone, I am from AC Milan. Most recently, yeah. he was linked with Liverpool. Mm. And, you know, you're you're sniggering there, Stephen, because I needed to dig into this Liverpool rumor a wee bit more, so I, I went. Before we came on the podcast, this is just very as close to recording as you get. It seems to come from a Liverpool fan site who've quoted are you sitting down? The Daily Record. <laughs> um they've said that Liverpool are interested in a fifty million bid for Christopher Eyer. They got the Liverpool link from a story in two thousand and sixteen or fifteen when right, Christopher when he was Iyer. About 11.
1: Right, okay. Yeah.
0: When he first signed for Celtic, right. apparently Liverpool had him scouted and turned him down at that point. So that's mm. what the Liverpool link is. And the fifty million pound fee that is quoted and this Liverpool fan site is from another Daily Record interview with Vida Reset, who said that Celtic should hold out from fifty million. So they, right. they've made this they've made this rumor up out of two fictitious eh, or spurious sources. Either melting pot has come together there and given us as a rumor. But in all seriousness, could Christopher Eyer play at the top level of the Premier League? Do you see that a move happening for him, or is he going to do the old you know, Southampton first, then move on?
1: There probably wouldn't be a better place for him than... Well, if he's going to reach that, there's probably no better place for him than at Liverpool where he could play alongside or potentially you know, learn from a guy like the aforementioned Virgil van Dijk. Is he good enough for Liverpool? Uh, very, 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 no, very no, doubtful at this ahead. stage. Yeah, no. the, well, having said that, they won the Champions League with guys like you know, Dejan Lovren and Matip and all that. Theme. They don't have like a world-class Partner for for Van Dyke, Van Dyke does an awful lot of it. Mm. However, what makes me reluctant to say, well, he couldn't go to Liverpool, is that we're we're kind of a fickle bunch in that manner because we we spend a lot of time talking about how you know players shouldn't go to Southampton, Liverpool, and Chelsea and Man United should come straight to us for for the players and and give us all the money. But then when there is this r- admittedly rather spurious link. Our first reaction is to say, "Yes, come to us for our players." They know him; he's no good enough. Yeah, <laughs> There's a, a kind think, of strange I, head. But I, uh, yeah, having said I all that, it's a it's a big leap for the to I, imagine that I, they're going to I just go for... I don't. I,
0: if Christopher Iyer wants to go, then Celtic need to go and get top money for him. As as we've said countless times, it's far too big a season. And if and I'm willing to trust Neil Lennon on this, if Neil Lennon's looking at like Christopher Iyer going, this is a player that wants away, and I can't rely on him. I think there's a few players like that dotted for the Celtic squad. Most of them, Stephen, that you touched on. You know, we're looking at in Cham, Ayer, Ryan Christie, Edouard. Those are the four big names that Mm. have have been linked away with Celtic this summer. Neil Lennon said in an interview today that he's not expecting any more outgoings, which was encouraging. And I think he'll take a big sigh of relief when the transfer window eventually closes. There's still a
1: long time to go yet. Um, And English clubs aren't really back to their work yet, is the the kind of concerning thing. I mean, there will still be... Still be wheels turning in the background, but they're not fully back operational just yet. They're on their break, having just finished their season. So, I'll be more interested in stories like this once September rolls around and these clubs are are genuinely looking for players.
0: It was great to see near bit on back, but it was even better to see the return of El Hamid. Oh, yes. Can I just say something there? Can I just say something? There? What a player! Oh, what, yeah. what a player! What a player! We, we frimmers better be looking looking over his shoulder because it's. If al can keep producing performances like that, Stephen, there's there's genuine competition
1: there for oh, Pong, isn't yeah. there? Huge competition and, you know, different right-backs for different needs and all that kind of thing. <laughs> but it's just, it's encouraging to have two, I mean, legitimately brilliant options for the same position that we've had. You know, right-back was a bit of a problem over the last few seasons. We went through the, the Jeremy Tolian era that followed mm. into the, the, the Bower years, but we've get genuine options now. And El coming back, uh, as I said on the the reaction podcast. And yes, I am going to quote myself from another podcast. <laughs> El Hamid's out there, just making people think y'all must have forgot about El yeah. How good a player he is! It was absolutely sensational. And I, yes, I, I take it as red that, that it's not a great team, but to come in from the virtual cold that is El has been out for a long time. So it's just really great to see him back and playing so well. You forget just how skillful a player he is. When we talk about Elhamad, we tend to, or rather I do just from my own personal point of view, I tend to think of him as if if there's a slider in between Jeremy Frimpong and Mikel Lustig, it's more towards the Lustig skill. I don't mean that as an insult. I mean Lustig at at the kind of peak of his powers. It's more towards that side. But you, f- you see him going forward and you forget how much of an attacking threat he is as well. Very, very skillful and actually a lot faster than a guy of his height, of his stature, has any right being. A- it's a great weapon to have back, uh, seeing Hatem El back in.
0: Look, it's pretty obvious Neil Lennon's got a problem at left back. He said himself, he wants to sign a left back. We've got two terrific right backs. Is there, is there a case for maybe playing one of them, I'd be more inclined to say Frimpong, and I don't know why, on the left and El Hamid on the right, Millie?
2: Uh, it's not for me it's not for me we've got have got two right, good right backs and it's it's glorious to see as Stephen said Elhamid was brilliant a couple of assists he was up and down and we more as Stephen was saying we were more thinking about Elhamid as a defender but he was just as attacking as Frimpong was yeah, the other night definitely. so okay, well, see in that gr-
0: case can I tempt you in can I tempt you in Jamesy e. Forrest out like he was against Under United El at right back and Frimpong playing further up the pitch.
2: I don't, I, that? I don't like any of this. I like players that play in their positions. If Frimpong a was purist. meant to be... Yeah, well, yeah. not even that. The, as uh, Jamie Carragher once said, nobody mm-hmm. grows up wanting to be Gary Neville, right? <laughs> players yeah. are put... Most of the time now, fullbacks are wingers who weren't good enough as wingers, so they're put back because they've got pace, because they can get mm. forward. If Frimpong mm. was a winger... Uh, He'd be playing. He would have been a winger. I think he's He's still very young,
0: though. I mean, he's like what twelve?
2: Yeah, but all (laughs) all uh, Frimpong's like strengths are because he's so fast because he's going forward. But if you move him further and further up the pitch, it maybe negates some of that because. It's a totally different game for these guys. We always yeah. say, why don't you stick them further up? Stephen was poo-pooing the idea about bowling goalie at left yeah. wing the other week. So I think the same should be done for Frimpong. He's maybe not... That, that, that was that, that, that was different,
0: it. though. I think that Stephen's... Uh, the reason that bowling goalie can't play left wing is because bowling goalie, by all intents and purposes, is a rubbish footballer. and It doesn't really <laughs> yeah. matter where you put him on the pitch, he's going to be rubbish. I suppose yeah, the only it's... thing... The only idea I was floating there, Stephen, was that, you know... If you look at Frimpong, if you look at his game, he's got more tricks than Forrest, better pace than Forrest. I'm not sure he's as good a crosser, and he's definitely not as much of a goal threat as Forrest. But
1: is there, is, uh, is there something there? Is there hay to make out of this? That's a, a second key distinction you've made tonight, Jamie. You're on a hat trick of key distinctions that need, <laughs> that pretty, need to I'm be made. I'm pretty shit hot, mate. I'm no bad at this <laughs> whole <own> podcasting game. <laughs> I did, in, in and <laughs> case, I did mean that I was a little bit affronted by the idea that he could... People could look at him and say, "Well, I can't do that, so we may as well stick him somewhere where he doesn't have to do that anymore." Yeah. Right. Whereas you're maybe suggesting make use of Frimpong's obvious talents in a different position, right? Okay, that I'm more more open to that, but at the same time, I still think there's nothing really wrong. There's nothing going wrong for him at right back at the moment. I don't really see any need to try him anywhere else. He did arrive at the club with some chat that he could play at left back, so I wouldn't be totally against that. But I think I would always view view him now having established himself so well so early on in his Celtic career as a right-back, I think I would probably always have that niggling feeling that he's playing out of position, and I don't like that that kind of unsettling feeling when you have too many players doing that.
2: The problem, the big problem I would have with it would be, so it would be right-back, Julian centre-half, probably Ayer beside that, and Frimpong. So you'd have Frimpong and Ayer both cutting inside on their right foot because they've not naturally left-footed. You've got Hamid on the left wing, right-footed cutting in, so there's, it's going to be completely lopsided towards the right-hand side if we do that.
1: Imagine Derek White's man-for-man marking. If we do that, just stick everybody on the right-hand side. It would, the entire game would be played on hmm. the one wing. <laughs> hmm. hey, Jamie, when did Derek White become Derek the Aberdeen manager? <laughs> <Whoa. laughs> staying
2: I
0: in. Was just thinking Jesus me, Christ, Derek, Derek McGuinness. Let me just have got the laptop for me. Let's Google when Derek White played <laughs> yeah, for Aberdeen. Google that for me and
1: see if he has ever managed Aberdeen. Let's do an old joke. You'll,
0: you'll, you'll bring that up for me, Jamie. Okay, so <laughs> Derek White played for Aberdeen in 1997, <laughs> So that's, right. that's where Stephen's pulling red. References from <laughs> right, okay. Anyway, I'll, I'll bring this back <laughs> on track. Um, all this winger chat has brought me nicely to Mohamed El Nussi, who, after a slowish start to the season, admittedly there was only one or maybe two games that he played in, um, he absolutely set it alight against Reykjavik. Let me ask you the cheekiest question of all: Is that his level?
2: Oh. <laughs> Why are you hitting my boy Moyle at that? <laughs> that it was a sensational <laughs> performance from the guy. It was the first goal was an absolute. Brilliant pass from Julian that switch out there that we've not seen it a lot from him recently, but he has got it in the locker. So it was great to see and the first touch from Mohammed round the keeper just shows how dangerous he is. And we just, I just felt that he needed that game like this just to set him off, and hopefully he can just kick on from here. Maybe the Dundee United game I don't think they really kicked on, but it was great to see getting two goals. The second goal was an absolute great pass from Encham as well. So. Hmm he's always getting in dangerous
1: positions and he will get goals. Probably brilliant that first touch that took him around the keeper oh, because see see when you watch it back, see if he'd killed that right into his own path. The keeper probably just smothers it. The keeper, yeah. the keeper probably just falls straight on that ball and the chance is lost, but he's taken enough of a heavy touch, gambled in a sense, that he would fall it in and, and scored. So uh, absolutely perfect first touch.
0: So I think we're having a lot of luck down the left-hand side. Greg Taylor had another pretty good game he even managed to get himself in the score sheet, Stephen.
1: Yeah, he did, and it's a, a rarity for Greg Taylor, obviously his first one for Celtic but he hasn't scored at all uh, his only other career goal came in March 2019 when he scored against Hamilton Ackies. that was in the, the Steve Clark era, of course, and they, they absolutely demolished Hamilton ackies 5-0 at home, a game in which another Celtic legend also got on the score sheet, and it was Yusuf Malumbu, with a, <laughs> mm. a rare goal for him as well This, game com- this Malumbu goal <laughs> comes up <laughs> So I often, know, absolutely ridiculous. I, 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 on the reaction, I you know, kind of mistakenly said it was his only goal for Kamarnock, but Melly quite rightly pointed out to me that he also scored against Celtic. Somewhat <laughs> implausibly goal. managed to get a goal against Celtic. <laughs> and the rest is history. We snapped him up and he became, he wrote himself into Celtic folklore for, for the three games or whatever he played. But yeah, speaking uh, of rumours,
2: uh, but Stephen, speaking of rumours. He's been rumored to go back for a third stint, is he? A
0: third <laughs> stint
1: in Kilmarnock? Is oh, he?
0: that's right. He is actually, yeah.
1: <laughs> okay, that, so how many times is he leaving Kilmarnock hoping for something better to come along, only to come crawling back to kill that <laughs> But anyway, anyway, that's quite enough on Yusuf Malumbo because it's just a, a just a disproportionate amount of content we dedicate to Yusuf Malumbo on this podcast. It's starting to starting to add up. Greg <laughs> Taylor, yeah, good to see him contributing. Good to see him getting forward. I can't see him scoring many headers for Celtic, no. it has to be said. No. But not uh, not with his his height, but it was basically on the goal line. I thought their their keeper was very shaky on the night. Obviously, we've already mentioned that they weren't a great team. The, the keeper wasn't supported a great deal by the, the defence in front of him. But I thought that everything that went at the keeper came off him in some manner or other. Sometimes he got to it first, but others he didn't. So there was always a spillage. Whether it was a shot, whether it was a cross, everything seemed to be bouncing off him. So to, it's not, not really a great surprise that Greg Taylor managed to score a header at five foot six or whatever he is on the goal line. So can't knock him. He got into the position mm. and, and put it away. Easily the
0: pick, easily the pick of the goals that night was Odson Edward, though. Mm. That was something special. Just Dan's. I think I'd said this in the reaction podcast, but this is, this is how I'm beginning to feel about Odson Edward. He's given... Really, really giving off vibes that Scottish, Scottish football is far too easy for him. I know this wasn't Scottish football, but it was about the same sort of level, even even a lower level, to, to be perfectly honest, than mm. what we used to be playing at. But he's given off this vibe now where he go, he, he's like, oh, it'll happen for me. See if I fancy it, it'll happen. And that, that's pretty much what happened in that afternoon. I think what happened that night was he was just like, I just fancy scoring a goal. and I've hung about too long. I'm playing on the pitch. Just give me the ball and I'll make something happen. And then he just takes it dun, yeah. dun, dun, and then sticks it away. Too easy. What's cool and cool, Melly? Odds on Edward in the six-yard box. No oh, denying.
2: tremendous! It's no, it wasn't. Maybe until the replay, we you, you seen the dancing feet going. They were absolutely tremendous, and he must have it just stinky. Right,
1: it looked as if it had taken a couple of bobbles. You know, it, it looked as if he got a couple of like lucky breaks off off ankles. Mm-hmm. But when you watch it back, it's his feet that are, that are kind of bouncing the ball back and forward. Brilliant. He seemed to take it as a bit of
2: an insult that like, <sighs> he looked around and seen Clamala and. Ayeti were coming on So he obviously knew He was going to be One of the guys To get taken off He's like I can't play against This mob and not score So he just took (laughs) the ball Bang 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 There you go Left footed strike And that was him What a goal And the guy is brilliant Well lucky to have him When you see a goal like that
1: Quite reminiscent, I thought, of uh, Anthony Martial's debut goal against Liverpool all those years ago when he cut in off a very similar position, beat a couple mm. of players and stuck it under the keeper. So, yeah.
0: He's another player, obviously, that's been linked with a move away. This time, Aston Villa. They've made him their key target, their most important target of the summer. Apparently, Mm. they're preparing a £30 million bid. Now, I know we can be quite sniffy about the English Premier League at times, but Aston Villa are a team who are, in the English Premier League, literally by the skin of their teeth. I think they survived yeah. in the last day that last season. They're one point ahead of the relegation zone. That's that's where they finished. Odson Edward is far too good for Aston Villa and if you're Odson Edwards agent, you're saying, look, if your options are Celtic in the Champions League or the Europa League for another season and Aston Villa next season, you are no making that you're not making that move. I don't I do not know why Odson Edward would want to waste any time at Aston Villa.
1: What I would say about that is um I I don't I, I agree I I'd, you know I'd prefer to see him at a bigger club I'm not really one who, who focuses an awful lot on that um ultimately I don't if he leaves Celtic and, and Celtic get good money from him I don't really care where, where he winds up obviously I'd like to see him reach the the level he probably deserves but Aston Villa seems a bit of a a climb down now we've spoken quite recently about how transfers don't really work in that traditional sense that we have thought of them in the past there is an awful lot of data that goes into these things from the point of view of the player and the player's agents they can use data in the same way that a a club would use to scout a player the same is true in reverse that players can find Mm. clubs that that are going to suit them in terms of style of play the most famous example of that being Memphis Depay who chose Leon based on what was going to work for him on the pitch so in a sense it's entirely his prerogative if he goes to Aston Villa then that's absolutely fair enough I can't really see it myself because I'm sure they will have better options than that absolutely but I suppose that, trying to be balanced about it they are a something of a sleeping giant Aston Villa I suppose they're, they're a big club they've previously won the European Cup I know that that really means anything for them in this day and age it's not going to keep them in the, the Premier League next season having won the European Cup many years ago but they're a big club but I just I, I really cannot for the life of me see that be, being his best option No, this this summer I, I I can't see it at all. They might have made their intentions clear first. They might have kind of stolen ahead of people. Uh, other clubs are rivals by getting in there first and registering their interest. But no, I, I can't see Edward being there. Another thing to consider if they're you know, going to Aston Villa is that they're very likely to lose their best player this season as well. And Jack Grealish, he'll probably mm-hmm. leave. So it's a, an awful lot of pressure on Odds and Edward. If, for example, Aston Villa come in and want to spend 30, 40 million on Odds and Edward, Huge amount of pressure on him to come down and basically replace you know, all the creativity that Jack Grealish brings. That's an awful lot of uh, pressure to put on his shoulders. Well, on, well can I stop you there? Do you think, yeah.
0: I, do you think Austin Edwards is a number nine or do you think he's a ten? Do you think he's a nine or I a would ten?
1: I'd be a nine, nine and a half. Are you sure, yeah, Melly, be... nine or ten? Obviously,
0: you two didn't watch this in the past to paradise because this is the very entertaining oh, conversation that John, Hartson, that and John Hartson and Gordon Strachan had a wee... A wee uh, back forward about whether Odson Edward was a number 9 or whether he's a more of a number 10. 9.5 for me, 9.5. 9 right well, dog. Courtney Hartson, he was a 9, wasn't he? Melian Goddard yeah. Strack was saying he's a number 10. And I've got to say, I'm aligning with, with God here. I think Odson Edward's more of your number 10.
2: I think he looked better with last season towards in the second half of the season when he had Lee Griffiths up front with him. I think he looks better with a partner, but at the same time, if we are playing at Celtic Park, I have no qualms about playing Odds Edward up front himself. Just away from home, I think he's better with a partner because he's not so isolated. Aston Villa strikers last year got six and seven, the two Wesley and is it Trezeguet? the strikers. Odds Edward doesn't feed off scraps like that it's not going to be enough for him. He's better than that. I I don't know about having him up there himself for Aston Villa, just be chasing lost causes. They'd maybe need somebody in the more Dembele sort of Physicality mm. role than uh Odson Edward, he's got to go to a better team than that for me. I
0: I think there's there's no doubt, you know, that Odson, Odson Edward's going to be heavily linked with a lot of teams throughout yeah. the transfer window and all the rest of it. But we need to stop pretending that you know any team that shows up with a cash is going to be the right move f- no, for Odson no. Edward. You know, you, you touched on something, Stephen, it doesn't ultimately doesn't matter to Celtic fans where he ends up once he goes. But as an Odson Edward fan, if I was on his one of his advisors, I'd be saying, hold on, we're, we're not, he's a big fat we not taking you to Aston Villa. well, not, ta- I know they're paying the money, I know, they're, I know they're paying the money to Celtic and I know they pay you the money, but we can do a lot better than that.
2: Living in Birmingham as well, come on. Oh, no,
0: no offence to any of our listeners in Birmingham, but no, it's no place for a, a man of culture and taste like Odson Edward. Um, so that was Celtic With, 6. Odson Edward who
1: famously does not book in yes. his own words yeah man
0: you, of course. do you know I, well the thing about him is I, I learned this as well I was watching an interview with, that Neil Lennon done with a, an Irish sports broadcaster on YouTube and it was actually a really good interview a couple of good insights a few that we'll probably get onto but one of them was Odson speaks really good English hmm. Neil said Neil, Odson speaks really good English but he doesn't like to speak a lot um so if I, if I shout at him he doesn't like it type thing so I thought the perception was old, old St. Edward doesn't speak English but I think he just kids on not to speak English
2: <laughs> He'll so, back people, so people leave him alone he's, on. On. he's yeah. too
0: cool for it he, know, he knows the score so that was Celtic 6 Reykjavik nil. next up is Ferenc Varos who beat June Gardens um, as I touched on at the top of the show we will have a full scouting report and full coverage of that match on yeah. the Patreon One Free scoring goal festival to pretty much the opposite against Dundee United. I think we're just going to have to get used to the fact that most of our domestic opposition is going to be like this. They're going to dig in, yeah, yeah. they're going to make it very difficult for Celtic. They all want to be part of history. It's pathetic, kind of, but it's not <laughs> at the same time because these guys have got a job to do. Yeah, they're, they're going, going to dig for deep. Points. We, we said before the game that we didn't think Dundee United would stick in because we didn't think they would have the quality to stick in mm. and, and prevent yeah. Celtic scoring. But they they really, really gave it a good go, didn't they, Stephen?
1: Oh, yeah, they did and made it very, very difficult. I think for the first 20 minutes or so, they actually kind of took Celtic a wee bit by surprise by how intense and how how much they pressed them. Not that that Celtic were completely thrown off their game by any means. I just think there was that slight period of adjustment towards the start of the game where they looked really up for it. I feel like we say it quite a lot about Scottish-based teams. They said that about Kilmarnock as well, of course. They made it very difficult for Celtic to get their get their full attacking compliment in, into the game. But um while I say that as well, I think their keeper had a massive part to play. I think, thought he was excellent. It could have been so different if Christie had scored early on, if Edward had scored early on. Edward smashed one off the post. He really should have scored in fairness, but he smashed one right off the post in the early exchanges and it, it could have been a completely different game. Ryan Christie was heavily involved in the game mm took a little bit of stick I thought um, online but from me maybe, yeah well, maybe maybe from me as well and I, I mentioned them in the, the reaction podcast we did but having seen a, bit, a good bit of it back now I've completely revised my um, oh, thoughts oh come over to
2: my way of thinking <laughs> stuff. <Steph>. let's <laughs> on, come on come on on
1: Ryan Christie's performance I think it's just one of those games where he was trying to make an awful lot of things happen and he had one of those games where it didn't quite click for him but on another day could have it, I a mean happy. he was heavily
2: involved in the goal that won the game oh yeah, no, yeah no, not possibly. just that He crossed it in for Odds and Edward when he hit the post. He had that shot that the keeper saved and ultimately had the shot where the keeper saved and Ayete gets the the rebound and it comes to Edward. I I think he was just frustrated with himself and the longer the game went on without Celtic getting the goal, the more frustrated fans were getting. But I thought this game was very different from the Comarnock game because I always had the feeling we were going to score in this game Mm. because we were just, as the first half went on, we pushed and pushed and pushed in half-time. As I said in the reaction podcast, I just think that came at the wrong time for us because we're coming into the game. Second half, when we started a wee bit slow again, then when we got the tempo up, we pushed them back and pushed them back. And again, Dundee United had nothing up front. Absolutely nothing. They had no. one shot on target. The same as Kilmarnock against us had one shot on target. Mm. And I was having a look as well. In Rangers' two away games each team I don't think Aberdeen had it oh, Aberdeen or Livingston one of them didn't have a shot on target and Derek the other White's had one yep. <laughs> still find them. so it's going to be this way away from home uh, for Celtic and Rangers teams are going to sit in and they're just going to try and frustrate and frustrate and on another day if we had got a goal earlier I think that game would have been a lot obviously it would have been easier but we wouldn't have been as yeah. anxious it's just it came so late on but with so much of the play, with the better chances, they had nothing going forward. It was just one of those games, not like the that game, where I thought we could still be playing that, and I'm not sure we, sure we would have scored. But with this one, I just thought it's going to come because they're not doing anything. And again, we looked much better and much more dangerous when we went to the two up front.
0: And that, that's the difference between the reaction podcast, Stephen, and the one we do on the Monday, because yeah. the reaction podcast is immediately after the game, so you're getting the, the immediate emotional raw yeah. reaction whereas <laughs> when we record this one on the Monday we get a chance to look back and, and, and pick through the game a wee bit closer and, and um, totally change our opinions like the wind <laughs> totally <change had>. that <laughs> and we're allowed we're allowed to yeah. change our opinion uh, we've already spoken about Ayer he hasn't played in those two games James Forrest was dropped which came as a bit of a surprise and then Cham started which was less of a surprise I think a lot of people were screaming out for in Cham to start did he justify his inclusion though that's a question Stephen
1: Yes and no. I, th- I think he did a lot of good things well. I think his passing was pretty good for the most part. I don't think he was. It was quite the huge statement performance that everyone expected. I think there's a, there's a lot of weirdness out there. I, I don't really like you kind know, of pointing to Twitter for, for my counterpoints here, but there's a a lot of kind of there's a weird mistrust of Olivier Chan because people think he's coming in and and taking scott brown's job like, I don't, no and in cham can he come in because it means oh, scott brown's been there it doesn't it doesn't have to be the case see if somebody suggests oh, i think and Cham's worth a, a start in three games or something here yeah. it doesn't mean we're completely we're throwing scott brown in the bin i think that, that mm. each either is as much a celtic player as the other i don't think we need to really pick our favorites here i, I think he's, he was worth coming in was he was he like a huge contributing factor in the game. Maybe not, but I I didn't see the the real negatives with his performance, I have to say. Yeah,
2: I'm the same. I thought Insham deserved a start. I think he's been good. I think James Forrest hasn't been great so far. And I'm I'm not overly bothered about Christie playing outright because, again, I was heavily involved. He was getting into dangerous positions. And when he moves inside on that right-hand side, it opens the park up for Frimpong to get forward. Frimpong, by the way, if... Greg Taylor gave the performance that Frimpong gave. He did begin a bit of stick, so I yeah, thought Frimpong yeah. was a bit disappointing. While Taylor mm. wasn't great either, so I think it's only fair that we call that out. He'd a quiet game uh, on Saturday night, but Callum McGregor and Odson, uh, Odson Edward, Carl McGregor and Olivier and Cham, they were sort of similar. Uh, McGregor had ninety-two p- uh, passes and Cham had eighty-six, and then Cham went off a bit earlier. McGregor completed 46 out of 15, and Cham 37 out of 44. I think in Cham, was sort of, I think he's better sitting as a number eight in there. I think right. he when he was in the number 10 position, sort of further forward, I think he's better playing his passes from further back beside McGregor or Brown, and then having somebody a bit further forward. It's just, it just seemed about three midfielders all getting in each other's way. There was points where... Carl McGregor was coming to take the ball off the defenders. Like, what? Well, what's Scott Brown doing then? Where Where mm-hmm. is he in all this? I just thought the midfield were still trying to get the, get a free that works perfectly. We're still tinkering away to see what's the best. We're still trying to find the
1: best combination in there. Can I suggest something? That are all of these? Not all of them, but seeing Cham and Christy, are they both better as number eight? have we get of- so. Ten thousand spoons when all you need is a knife. I think we've we've, <laughs> we've got a lot of players who can play number ten, but really only Tom Rogic. Probably more to come on him in the in this podcast. Mm. Maybe only him who's a natural fit for it. Whereas we're kind of shoehorning other players I, into I don't, that honestly don't think role. So. No,
0: I don't think so. I think Ryan Christie's absolutely fine in there because how mobile the Celtic attacking. Three or four, is if you want to include that number ten in there. He he can he see, he done really well last season, and especially under Brendan Rodgers, just picking up space where he could find it. Pick, and Tom Rodgick does that t- to a degree as well. But I think Ryan Christie's got more energy. He defends a lot better from the front than Tom Rodgick as well, which is really important to Celtic's game. And he's a he's a real goal threat. And he turns up for his work, which Thorogood well, obviously can't do. Answer. I just don't I, think honestly he's gonna... think, out of all the number tens, sorry, out of all the number tens available, I, I think Ryan Christie's my favourite, and I don't think I, I just completely disagree. Actually, I know a lot of people think Ryan Christie would make a great number eight. I just don't see it at, at,
2: at all. I think I don't think
0: he's as good a passer of the ball.
2: I think there's a way we can work it and get them all in. I think going forward. We're going into phase Brown out everybody keeps talking about it but I, I just always hark back to that time under Rodgers where we had McGregor sitting with Rogic and Christie ahead of them. I think if we now put Incham in for Rogic and have McGregor sitting with Incham and Christie going I think that could be a really dynamic midfield where you've got a bit of everything. You've got the energy, you've got the finesse, you've got McGregor taking the ball from defence and dictating play. I think that could be really work really well and that can work in... The four, four, three, three, or the three, five, two. It. it could work both ways, but we're just sort of trying to find the combination that works right now. And we've just not got there yet.
0: This is the section of the podcast that I think we need to create a jingle for. It's going to be called "Let's Talk About Scott Brown's Performance This Week." <laughs> brown Talk. Um, brown, <laughs> yeah, let, we'll call this one Brown. We'll call this section of the podcast Brown Town. Okay, so we're going down <laughs> to Brown Town. Um, Scott Brown was absolutely fine. He was absolutely fine. He's out there battling, trying to win every blade of grass. You could see when the Celtic goal went in. Who was it? Was it Connolly, Mellie? He, yeah. he was having a right back fall basically for the first minute of the game. And, and that's what Scott Brown's there for. But I feel a lot of the time as well, he could be more productive. A lot of the time, I feel that Scott Brown is just cycling, ball, just making himself available and giving the ball from him to the nearest guy. And I watch that, and as much as I love Scott Brown, sometimes I think a different type of player in there could maybe offer more. And this was one of those games.
2: Yeah, I think you're right. As I said earlier, Cal McGregor was coming deep and getting the ball and I was like, well, it's well, what's Scott Brown's purpose here then? Because we wouldn't need them to break up play because Dundee United weren't attacking us in the slightest. And Cham went off and I thought, oh, well, we're chasing a goal here. Why are we taking off a creative player and leaving on Scott Brown? Maybe it's time for Scott Brown to come on when we are winning one though. And then mm-hmm. it would be better for him because then he would have a purpose, he would break it up, he would guide us through it. But look, he's the captain, it's a tougher away game. I can see why he started, he did okay during the week, but just if like the command game of first starting the chase games, I'm not really sure there's a point to him. But in saying that he did have a couple of passes that led up to the goal, but I'm just I'm struggling to see where it where he fits in when we're attacking right now.
1: Good and bad stuff from Scott Brown, I thought, and uh, I found in this game. I, th- I agree, Melly. He was heavily involved in the goal. He deserves a, a good bit of credit for that because he made the run that um, opened the space up and then worked it out to the right. Was uh, again involved further on with a little short pass. Um, so, so that's absolutely fine. But what I would say is that two of Dundee United's best chances. And we've already talked about how there went many chances and only one on target. The one they did get on target from memory was because he was very easily beaten on the edge of the box. Julian didn't cover himself in glory in that, that phase of play either. No. They, they, both of them are very easily beaten. There was another moment when Harks broke forward from the midfield and Scott, Scott Brown honestly looked about 50 years old, man. He was like chase, chasing behind him. But no, that's not his fault. The, again, we keep saying... This isn't an attack on Scott Brown, it's simply an acceptance of the reality of this. He's 35 years old and he's not, none of us are getting any younger, let's face it, but neither is Scott Brown. He is, it's None of this is his fault. He's, there are guys on that pitch who are upwards of 12, 13, 14 years yo- younger than him. That mm. That's just the way It's the way of the jungle. Um, there, there are going to be guys faster than him. The, he broke away and then gave it off to the the guy they've got on loan from Man City, Luke Bolton, who smashed it over the, over the bar. Um, so I'm not I'm not blaming him for either of those things but when looking at his performance and when and when pointing out that he was involved in the goals he was also involved in those moments as well so uh, I, I would say his performance was was all right in in the main but I do agree with Melly that I I think he was he looked like a man without a country it was he was kind of mm. on the pitch but he looked to be searching out a purpose rather than being the guy who yes. is influencing anything. I, I thought you, it most of the time, especially with these specific selections, Ayer is different, but when Beaton is selected at centre-half, the two of them are operating in almost exactly the same areas. Beton looks to come forward with the ball and, and play passes, which he's actually very good at. But at times, Scott Brown is like he's holding hands with Beaton. He's within a three-yard radius of him, and it's I, I don't really... Again, it's not an attack on him. I just don't see the purpose of him playing 90 minutes there and taking more creative and attacking players off in order to keep him on when really he's just occupying the same space in the pitch as his centre-half, are.
0: The thing about Scott Brown is he's, he, was, yeah, he was very unselfish in particular in the lead-up to the goal, but what I'm looking at when I look at Scott Brown, his contribution is, I'm thinking, is that something that... Is unique to Scott Brown, or could maybe literally any other player have mm. played his part? You know, you, you can you can point to Scott Brown and go, look, like he was he was perfect for the goal. He made the run that took the player away. He played the ball. Aye, but that's that's football one on one. That's that's a midfielder. Mm. You know, and um um, there's a lot of Celtic players that have, have yet to make the market. It's very very early in the season with a huge layoff, and even Neil yeah. Lennon says the team aren't really up to speed yet. So I, I think it's unfair. You know, Scott Brown seems to start every season. With people sort of, you know, on on their on their tiptoes, just waiting for Scott Brown to, for his yeah. for his career to be over type thing. I'm I'm not really keen to get involved in that. You, you could you could look at Moylanusy, who I think had another poor game, another poor domestic game. There, he's yet to register a, a league goal or an assist. I know we've, we've played very very few games, but Celtic definitely had the better that game against Under United. Celtic's XG was two point seven four. Um, to put that in some sort of perspective, I think it was 2.8 in the last game of the season, last season when we beat St. Mirren 5-0. Right. So okay. S- Celtic were creating a lot of quality chances. They they created enough chances to win that game a couple of times over. You touched on something earlier when we were talking about it and just between us but off air, it was like it's it's because the goal came at the end of the match. Everyone thinks it was a tight affair. But in actual fact, that goal could have came at any point. Yeah. Like the way Celtic were playing, it could have came at any point. The Celtic looked dangerous going forward. Dundee United sacrificed the wings. They wanted to force us out, which I thought was an interesting tactic, an interesting way to play against Celtic, especially when Celtic are pretty strong in those areas. But even when we got into the last 10 minutes of the game, I just thought Celtic, the way Celtic are creating chances here, there's going to be one more really good chance for Celtic.
2: Yeah, but I was quite impressed with Dundee United. Obviously, they don't have Shankland up front, so that's the main threat. But the manager, Mellon, he's, he Mellon, he's come from England and They looked like they had a complete game plan, they knew what they were doing, as soon as Celtic played out from the back, they pressed Celtic's full back, so Celtic couldn't get down the wings, and they have just had to pass the ball back to the centre-halves, and the amount of times in the first half where Beton and Julian had the ball, it was incredible, so they were pressing us there, but then, when Celtic were attacking, they left Frimpong and Taylor, and uh, Celtic could just ping the ball out either flank, and they'd have the space. But um, I think that's because Christie and El Yunusi come inside, and then Dundee United just congested that. The two yeah. centre halves were very good. I think I think the plan was: look, if the two wingers get it and cross it in, our two centre halves are good enough to deal with that. While I'm on the centre-halves, I thought that Conley was very, very angry any time we'd a chance, <laughs> which led to me saying, I think he's definitely a hun, because he was raging when we scored. <laughs> Turns out he's an Arsenal fan, so I sort of owe him an apology, yeah, but I still I don't, don't, Yeah, I don't, I'm not sure on that. But anyway, I thought done the United's game plan was very good, they thought they could keep us at bay if we cross the ball in, and that's fair enough when you've got a guy like Odds and Edward, because any high balls in, it's not really his game, which is why when we went to the two up front, we looked a lot more dangerous up there, because Edward was quiet, he was isolated up there, but once we get somebody up beside him, somebody else for the defenders to think about, it's where we got the breakthrough, and going forward now, hopefully we kind of get the players to do it, but... I think we need to go three-five-two away from home in domestic games because it worked so well for us in the second half of last season. It worked well for us at the weekend there. It's just maybe James Forrest at left wing-back wasn't ideal and maybe the centre-halves, we still need another one. But if we can get a Yeti fit up there with Edward, I think we'll create a lot more chances. Very
0: impressed with Ayeti, very impressed with the way he took the goal, very impressed with everything about the goal, you know. Mm, yeah. Christy stayed on the pitch and, you know, people were asking why at the time and myself included. Terrific shot, yeah. forcing the goalkeeper to make a save for that distance. And, you know, that's what you have to do there. The box was packed. You need to find another way through. Maybe try to pass it through. wasn't working. He took the initiative, he took the shot. Goalkeeper saves it. Odson Edward held it up brilliantly. Scott Brown shouting, as you can hear in the Celtic, uh, the Celtic <laughs> unique <laughs> camera angle, I think, with no crowd noise. Scott Brown, and I'm going to swear here, Scott Brown said to Edward, fucking pass it, you. Something like that. <laughs> fucking pass it, Odson. Right. Um, so it was a Yeti that kept it alive, played in Odson, who'd done a terrific job, and but immediately a Yeti's looking for it back. He's in the right area. That that, that striker's instinct in the six yard box is what a, what what you're hoping for and what I absolutely love in a player and he managed he managed to stick stick it away I will never get used to the no crowd noise because it's in games like that when that ball hits the back of the net immediately it's like you're trained it's like a reaction soon as you see it in the back of the net you're waiting for the the, the noise to go up yeah. and it just didn't come
1: so you're sports the, no. <laughs> yeah
0: um, and instead we just got some fake noise That didn't quite
2: cut it Just but... when on the goal See when it hits the back of the net There's the goalkeeper And there's three defenders on the line That's what we're up against in that yeah. game It's That's yeah. what it's going to be like For us in away games now So we're going to have to find ways To break teams down And I think if we get More strikers equals more goals guys But I think the two up front Causes more uh, panic
1: and problems in there Massive, massive goal this by the way. I don't, mm-hmm. I, I'm careful about overstating it, right? Because I know we're only three games into the season and I know nothing's won in August, but at the same time, you look at the the very you know particular set of circumstances surrounding this game. We've been again, we've been forced back, we're, we've kind of fallen down a snake on the, the snakes and ladders thing, thanks to the he who shall not be named, and it <laughs> yeah, already was earlier, a in fact. But um, we, we've been set back a bit. Rangers have. Apart from Livingston, they've been picking up points. They'd won on this day as well. They won previous to to this kick off. As as much as nothing has won in August, you don't want, regardless of games in hand, you don't want them creeping away for you. And as no. much as we've been talking as well about how you know Celtic could have scored, Ondine Edward hit the post, Christie could have had a hat trick on another day, but the fact is they hadn't. They hadn't scored. This game is heading for nothing each. We can look back and say we were confident it was going to happen, but to that minute, it hadn't happened and it could easily have finished nothing each that game and that would have been, I don't want to use the word disaster, but it's a its a big blow to have played three games and drawn two of them at this stage of the season is, is a huge blow, especially in this season of all seasons. So for a guy who is clearly nowhere near fit, you can't expect him to be fit because he's barely played. Hardly played for West Ham. Has been in his holidays when the contact came from Celtic. No match fitness to speak of whatsoever. For him to come in and just smash it away first time. Another striker might have been tempted to take an extra touch there and then the chance is gone. Because as Melly has said, there's a crowd of players in front of him. It would have been tempting to maybe hesitate there. Let's try and make sure I get this over the line. I'm, I'm trying to impress. I've just signed for this club. I need to get this goal away. But he didn't there was none of that. It was just pure instinct. Just first time arrives at the ball smashes at home through a crowd of players no exaggeration to say that's an enormous goal enormous goal for yeah. this stage of the season given what we've what I've just mentioned
0: like you say Stephen we can't give them anything No, no we can't no. give them anything they've already had their chance I mean they've got a couple more chances we'll still get two games in hand against us but they've already had their chance and they blew it they had their yeah, chance yeah. and they blew it <laughs> and their hands are tied now they can't do anything about it and we, if we go and win our two games in hand we're on even points
2: Yes, going to be a tough one this season. I think with the bowling goalie gate that we're the two games behind, we just have to keep chipping away and just get the victories. So again, it's more difficult because they had the earlier kick-off we are going into the game. Every minute that goes on, the anxiety levels go up because you can't, you can't envisage going further and further behind. Also, this season, look, we've got a Scottish Cup semi-final and f- hopefully, potentially, a final to play. Are we going to have more games cancelled for that? So, Basically, we're going to probably be chasing for the rest of the year. But as I said on the reaction, embrace the chase, boys. Embrace the chase. Hashtag embrace the chase. We have to get behind us. We just have to dig out these results every week. Hopefully, we can get into the Champions League. So we're playing on a Saturday and they're on a Sunday if they're in the Europa League, hmm. just to give us that wee cushion. And we just need to win these games. Again, that game could have easily finished a draw, but we got the result. And that's all that matters because you can't improve on results, but you can improve on performances. And Celtic, we're not quite clicking into gear away from home yet, but we got the victory and that's all that mattered in the end.
0: I think a lot of people underestimate how difficult these games are. People think, us included, Dundee United, we should do it. But see, at the end of the day, see if there's 10 bodies between you and the box and you or you and the goal line doesn't matter what team it is. It's going to be very, very, very difficult to break that down. And the way you break it down is by sticking to the game plan. Is by no letting your head go down in the pitch. It's by moving the ball quickly. And it's by having better players. And, if you know, I'm just sort of preparing myself now for a lot of games like this. Yeah. But also telling myself, Celtic have got the quality. Celtic have got the quality to come through these games. And nine times out of ten, we're going to come through these games. We've already spilt this season. We've already
1: slipped up. Um, and hopefully that'll
0: be the first one in a wee while.
1: Jamie, see when you're talking about the amount of men we were up against on Saturday, I think yeah. you might have I think you might have left out a key player that we were up against on Saturday by the name of Dallas. Uh not to get oh. conspiratorial on here, but Christ was that a bad referee Ter- performance. It was, terrible. Oh, it was absolutely terrible. It, it is blatant at this point, <laughs> right? I know I know I am somewhat influenced by his his surname on this one. That's the era I grew up grew up in. Unfortunately, I'm always going to have that name built into my the back of my brain forever. But goodness me, there there was the moment where Edward was about to take a free kick, and the wall was no more than about five and a half yards away. <laughs> there was booking Scott Brown for shouting at a guy for celebrating in a guy's face, and it wasn't even a prolonged, you know, Bruni on duff style. No. Quite clear antagonism He ran up, celebrated a wee bit And immediately ran away It was it was over in about a quarter of a second McGregor was book booked for his that, first challenge as well, we'll got away with, with how many? Oh, Connolly was I mean I think, look, see when you win games like that, that That's the time to complain about the refereeing yeah. decisions And I can admit That Dundee United Did have a good game, stuck to their game plan well And in their centre half they had two good performances But at the same mm. time I still want to point out that the referee let him away with an awful lot. This isn't just bitterness coming through. I'm not upset at having lost a game or anything like that. I'm just, I'm just saying, even though Celtic narrowly in the end won the game, I, I still have a major issue with the standard of refereeing in that game. And, and that's,
0: that's the time to bring it up. See, when yeah, you've won yeah. the game, then yeah. you retrospectively go back and say, yeah. Yeah, nothing will happen, no. Absolutely nothing will happen. Oh, that's God. just something else we're going to be up against this season. You're not getting well, any favours. No, promotion. No any favours from <laughs> I know. <laughs> we mentioned Tom Roderick. Looks like his career could maybe be coming to an end at Celtic. I mean, he's had a very long time at Celtic, but yeah. his contribution over the last couple of seasons has been very, very small. Obviously, if he does go, we'll do the full Tom Roger retrospective. But at the moment, let's just talk brass tacks. Are you sad about the potential of Tom Roger leaving? And moreover, looks like we might be replacing him with David Turnbull. Absolute in no brainer since we already basically signed the guy last season. That How did they look
1: at that shiny suit again from that picture <laughs> oh, of David? Dunham, the, for the Joe Pesci collection, Joe Pesci. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fucking
0: wise guy um, <laughs> with the sleeves over the hands. Um, <laughs> uh, what, what do you think is that is that a fair enough transfer? Because I mean, we were all pretty hyped about Turnbull last year. These are the sorts yeah. of players Celtic should be signing for sure. Um, and if we get the quoted, if we get the quoted four million for Tom Rogic. For a player that can barely turn up to his work, I think mm. that's fair enough. I, I said it last season, I think we've seen the best of Tom Rodjick. I thought it last season. Definitely think it this season. I don't think he's he's definitely featured. I can't remember for what game and for how long, but he's definitely featured this season. But in terms of overall contribution, I think moving him out and bringing someone like Turnbull in is an absolute no-brainer.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think the Turnbull thing does make sense because I've said in the past, as, as much as it might seem a little bit arrogant, I think that if these the best of Scottish talent should go through the filter of Celtic. If if he's going to go on to maybe play in England or whatever, he should go there from Celtic. That, that's yeah. just the way I would like to see things. We should have signed John McGinn, we should have signed Stephen Fletcher back in the day, should have signed yeah. McCarthy. That, that's how, uh, in an ideal world, I'd like to see it go. Turnbull, I think, makes a lot of sense. I think he's an excellent player. will only get better playing at a club like Celtic. I think that's, that's pretty obvious. I think he, he could... He could do a real, really effective job for, for Neil Lennon Celtic. I think he, he likes a shot. He, he likes to to get on the score sheet. So it makes sense to me. On Tom Rogic, though, so I think as much as I do agree, I think I have to come to terms with it, Jamie, I think I do agree with you that he's probably his race has run at Celtic. He doesn't really seem to be fancied at the moment, certainly. There will always just be that pang of regret with, with Celtic fans because he's been such a popular figure. Over the years, and and he's been involved in some of the most iconic moments of the last five years. Most certainly, maybe longer, like stretching back to before he was even at the club. He's he's certainly up there in terms of iconic moments over that period. I mean, he's written into history forever. So there will always be that feeling that ah, you don't worry really. Let a guy let that go, and and essentially you, you don't, but. I think it is fairly obvious that his contribution has dipped off in the last couple of seasons. And that there's a number of factors in that. There's injuries, there's just absences. There's there's many there's many things involved in that. As much as I said earlier, I said that I don't really care where a Celtic player goes once he leaves, as long as the, the deal is best for Celtic and as long as that player's happy making that move in his career, I think that's it's none of really none of my business. But I did my eyebrows were raised, shall we say, when he was linked Again? to a move to a yeah, move to Qatar. And not because again, it's a player's prerogative if he goes there. It turns out that it wasn't, you know, set in stone anyway. The the reporting at the time was that he'd basically all but signed for a Qatari team, that turned out not to be true. But if he wants to go there, that's absolutely fine. I've, i have I certainly wouldn't be going to the airport and trying to prevent him from doing so. But the reason that I would I, I wouldn't like that so much is because. If a player goes to England, right, fair enough, I can still probably keep up with that guy. I can still keep up with him, Tierney's yeah. career. Certainly most of Dembele's, the, et cetera. But if he goes to Qatar, that's, that's me and Tom Rogers done. That's the, the old <laughs> team on the scrap heap. I will never see him again. Yeah, the old again. long-distance relationship not really yeah. going to work <laughs> no. out for you, is it, don't <laughs> No, that's the, the old team on the scrap heap. I, I would be lying if I, t- I said that I kept up with Qatari club football. So really, you're looking at him coming back into your life in a World Cup, maybe. Uh, towards, towards the it, end of no his career, no a injury record, probably not, and that's it. So I had a, a little bit of a, a, a kind of sigh when I I thought he was going to go there. I would quite like to see him go to maybe Spain or Italy or something like that, but I don't know if he's really got the got like the stamina for it anymore. But I will always look fondly upon Tom Rogic's career at Celtic. I think he's been absolutely phenomenal for the the fact that he turned up as a effectively a competition winner. This mm-hmm. for Celtic and to have the career he's had here was, was absolutely incredible it's just that it has been a sort of slow I don't want to use the word decline because that is sometimes taken as if I think he's like finished it clearly isn't but it has been a little bit of a slide in the last couple of seasons from Tom Rogic, unfortunately
2: I'll always be disappointed to see Rogic go he's given us a lot of highs over the years some magical moments as Stephen said but it's just got to the point where you feel ah, I it's the best time for the breakup, isn't it? It's just hmm. maybe feelings have changed. Just, rooms, out, yeah, nah. it's time to part I, ways.
0: Just no shagged in months. Yeah, <laughs>
2: <laughs> He's no gave me that spark in a while. He, he barely featured yeah. last year then and towards uh, when Lennon came in, he didn't really feature. So it's just, it's time to move on. So you don't get to that point where you look at him and just, you have bad feelings towards him. You can look at photos of him and go, uh, mind the good times, that's what you want when he goes, so I'm happy to see him go now, I think going to Qatar would be basically saying his career's sort of winding down when he's still got a lot left in him, but happy with Turnbull coming in as well, I think I would like to have seen him play a bit more football since he's had such a long layoff. but if the deal's there to be done, I think Celtic would be silly not to do it, because it makes perfect sense for us.
0: Stephen, you're not the only one that's has your eyebrows raised by the possibility of Tom Rogic going to Qatar uh, Australian... Assistant manager I think he is at the moment Renny Millenstein former yes. Manchester United. Oh yeah. said that he was surprised that Tom Rodic would go to Qatar. He says he might be tempted to be something different but he says that Tom Rodic's got the ability to play in the English Premier League or, or at least in England or a better league. So I'd be I'd be surprised and maybe slightly disappointed if Tom Rodic ended up in, in Qatar that's for sure. And that's that Celtics next matches against Finnish Varos in the next round of the Champions League qualifiers as I discussed at the top of the show we will have full fan-led coverage of that over at patreon.com slash 20 minute tims and as I said there's a discount on subs at the moment if you want to take advantage if you've been thinking about it now's the time just just give us a try go and give us a promise I promise you'll like it I'm not going to give you a money back guarantee I'm not going to say that but what I'm going to say is you will definitely enjoy it you'll feel Um, good we'll feel good as well
1: everybody will feel good if you sign up to the Patreon we're also making people feel good
0: in many many other ways Stephen and that is giving away a fantastic solid gold not solid gold 20 minute Tim's pin badge for the best review to win this prize all you need to do is hop on iTunes or Apple Podcasts as it is now leave us a 5 star review or leave us a 5 star review on Podcast Addict make sure you include your Twitter username or any way we can contact you not your name not your address not your telephone number though Um, and we will pick our favourite review Stephen you are the funniest one out of all three of us. So you've been charged <laughs> with, with judging the comedy on the reviews. Who's getting the badge this week?
1: Oh, I'm torn this week, Jamie. I think I've got my, my suggestion would be I think there's two winners this week. Okay. First,
2: well, I'm, ha- I'm happy to defer to you. Ask okay. Uncle Jamie if he's feeling generous. Are you feeling generous,
0: <laughs> okay. Uncle Jamie? Let me, uh, yeah, okay, right. Okay, right. fine,
1: go for it. First in was Tetley88, 20 in the name, but number one in our hearts. The number twenty is iconic in the history of Celtic, and these lads are truly the Yiri Yarasic Paddy McCourt, and Reggie Blinker of the podcast world. <laughs> so cheers, <laughs> Ted late, late. Also was Bobby Boy, Bolly Holiday. <laughs> Bobby the boy. podcast is I mean, was what I'm trying to say is um sometimes it was uh alright, but when I think it it hurts. No, I mean it was good. Thanks, regards, Chris Boyd. (laughs) I knew Chris was a fan. He misspelled regards just to make sure that we definitely know it's Chris Boyd. (laughs) So those are the two winners for this week. And on that bombshell, we will wrap up. Thanks so much to everyone who listens.
0: Thanks to everyone who tweets us and leaves us reviews and downloads and does everything for us. Would you like to say goodbye, Stephen?
1: Yes, I would. Thanks for listening, folks. We'll be better next week.
0: <laughs> yeah! Wow! I'd be amazed if anyone was listening at this point. This was a really long one. Melly, would you like to say cheers for your ears or whatever you're going to say to sign off? Cheers for your ears, folks. And I'd just like to say thanks for listening. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget?